Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss. Hey, guys. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're looking forward. How are you doing, Lou? I'm hanging in there. We're looking forward to hearing from Brad Holcomb today, and uh, he's going to talk to us about the ISM number. But before we get to that, uh, Lou, you have got some updates from the last show and what's going on in manufacturing in America. Well, I'll start off with uh, a few news tidbits that have occurred since the uh, last show, uh, and I'd like to uh, just go over them for a few moments, and then we'll do uh, the postscript from last show, and uh, we'll then take it away. Over uh, the last uh, two weeks, there have been some interesting uh, sets of numbers coming out at the beginning of the year. Uh, Jay Timmons, uh, CEO of the National Association of Manufacturers, who represents the uh, largest manufacturing association in the United States, which also includes about 12 million workers and about $2 trillion uh, into the U.S. Uh, manufacturing economy. Uh, they feel as though that uh, America's coming back. Um, they're going to be, uh, they are feeling as though that we should be focusing on uh, product, people, and policy. And the bulk of the policy issues uh, have to do with the way our government uh, is dealing with regulations on uh, small, medium-sized companies. And uh, these are issues that uh, uh, need to be addressed. And a lot of these associations uh, are uh, taking a leadership role in um, trying to work with the government and uh, make it easier for people to do business and more difficult. Number two, which uh, is good for some and bad for others, numbers came out about uh, China manufacturing and uh, HSBC Bank uh, came out with uh, their number at uh, 48.5. Uh, which was put together by the uh, China Federation of uh, Logistics and Purchasing, uh, state that uh, there's uh, there's trouble in uh, in uh, Yellow River Town. Uh, so there are some good things happening there as far as the United States is uh, concerned for futures. It seems as though that there's this comeback where business is coming back to the United States manufacturing business. So that's a good uh, that's a good. Point for our country. AM, a National Association of Manufacturers, on Monday came out uh, with a revised uh, 2013 fourth quarter uh, number showing that uh, we had gone down uh, to 2.4, down from the 3.2 projected, blaming most of it on uh, Uncle Sam and uh, lack of spending. Uh, we, we seem to can't get that right. Either we spend too much or we're not spending uh, enough. Seems as though weather may have had something to do with uh, that uh, downturn, and perhaps uh, Brad will be able to give us some insight uh, into what the numbers are going to look like for the first quarter of 14 because of the weather. I hope that's one of his uh, expertise. Last show, uh, we have a postscript just to bring you up to speed as to what that show basically was about, in case you haven't heard it or seen it, uh, I guess you haven't seen it, you've heard it, uh, you can go on to uh, our uh, website, uh, MFG Talk Radio, and listen to it or download it, and you can hear the whole show. Our guest uh, was um, Chris Rallo of TD Bank, Vice President, 
of uh, commercial lending. And he went into a lot of discussion about uh, uh, financing and lending and factoring and how small to medium-sized companies can try and enhance their uh, financial condition and cash flow and so on by uh, taking a serious look at the uh, bank lending as a uh, strong possibility. Tim, I think that uh, that kind of brings you current to uh, introduce our guest. Yes, I think it does, Lou. I appreciate it. That, uh, those are some interesting tidbits, and uh, I know that uh, you know, Brad may be able to comment on some of that. Brad, give us an idea of what's going on with the ISM for uh, last month and anything you can share with us on what's going forward. Great. Uh, glad to be on again and have the opportunity to talk about the February manufacturing ISM report on business. It's a good report with the PMI up. 1.9 percentage points over January. That indicates more growth in January. And uh, new orders kind of led the way with an increase of 3.3% to 54.5, a nice healthy number for new orders. But weather certainly did uh, have an impact from some angles here, including comments from our panel as well as um, inside the numbers. And we'll try to to pick that apart as we go along uh, today. Okay, great. What what would you like to tackle first? The number itself, or or uh, I'll, I'll let you choose. You do such a terrific job putting together this report, and it contains so much data. Maybe we'll just flow from top to bottom. And yeah. go ahead, Brad, and kind of walk us yeah. through it. Yes, I, I like to to look uh, at the manufacturing at a glance table in our uh, report, which everyone can find on the ISM website at uh, ism.ws. The manufacturing at a glance table for February uh, 2014 kind of shows the big picture as well as the underlying metrics that go into the PMI and other supporting metrics, uh, how they're doing relative to, to January. And right uh, from the top, as I mentioned, the PMI is up nearly two percentage points uh, from January, growing uh, faster than January, uh, and growing for nine consecutive months. So we, we've got a good trend set up there. Um, there are five uh, supporting metrics that go into the PMI equally weighted at 20% each and I'll cover them uh, as well, new orders, production, employment, supplier deliveries, and inventories. So taking those one at a time, uh, new orders was up 3.3 percentage points to 54.5, a really healthy position, and growing uh, in new orders for also nine consecutive months. Next is an interesting one, production. Uh, production was down 6.6 percentage points from January, uh, reaching 48.2, which is contracting uh, from a growing trend uh, previously. So it's contracting down 6.6 percentage points. And um, just kind of reading uh, the tea leaves here and, and behind the numbers, uh, it seems clear to me that weather has had uh, – an impact on production in particular, that it represents, you know, the cold weather, certain plant closings, uh, the inability to to get, uh, you know, some or all of the workers 
uh, to the workplace to uh, to produce the plant production levels. So I can see that in the production number itself, and that in particularly in view of the strong new orders and also jumping down the page, a growing backlog of orders. So it seemed clear that they weren't able to produce as much as planned and undoubtedly have some weather impact, although we can't say exactly how much. Brad, uh, I want to interrupt you here for just a moment. Uh, the logistics uh, issue also regarding weather was, uh, I would think, would have a great impact on production as well. Uh, freight wasn't able to move. Trucks were stuck along highways in uh, uh, all over the south. So I think that's uh, as, w- as well is a factor. Well, that's a great point, and we also picked that up in the comments from our panel that uh, I, I've noted three out of ten uh, comments uh, representative of, of hundreds of others that uh, clearly talk about the weather as a negative impact and uh, bad weather hampering logistics across the country is a direct quote from the petroleum and coal products uh, industry. And then uh, another comment from chemical products that many raw materials disruptions due to weather and backups at the port. So uh, definitely logistics uh, has hampered, you know, the ability to get the right raw materials into production. And as I said, that shows up directly in production, but it also shows up in, in a few other areas here as, as we go along, and I'll talk about those. Brad, uh, the, the production number dropping uh, like this, do I recall in our previous discussion a month ago that new orders uh, uh, dropped off rather precipitously, seems to have bounced back? Does that also have an impact? I mean, it, it, is it that rapid that we see changes? Yeah, in production? Um, yes. No, no, it's not. You know, 6.6% drop, uh, I'd have to look at my charts, but that's that's very unusual. Um, and, you know, it's inconsistent, if you will, with sort of normal weather patterns and, and normal normal overall patterns in the data that we see. So I can I can certainly, in my mind, attribute uh, a lot of that drop to, to the bad weather. And, and as I said, it shows up in other areas. For example, supplier deliveries. Let me jump over employment for a second to supplier deliveries, another one of the supporting metrics. That went up 4.2% in the direction of slowing faster than last month. And the actual percentage is 58.5, so a rather high point, indicating that suppliers were delivering slower uh, to their manufacturing customers, you know, hampered by logistics, hampered by the weather, unable to, to get all, at least all of the right materials to production. Uh, so it shows up there clearly as well. And to the extent that you wouldn't get the right raw materials to produce as well as the right number of people, then production is going to, to suffer. Okay. So it wasn't um, necessarily new orders falling off that has that rapid change on production. It's all these other factors. It's all these other factors. Uh, Again, I think, you know, new orders is healthy. We saw, you know, last month uh, a a tremendous drop, but, 
you know, and that was an anomaly or certainly hasn't occurred in in a long, long time. Uh, but this is bouncing back. And any, let's remember, folks, anything over 50 is growing relative to the previous month. So despite the fact that it fell 13 plus points last time, it was still above 50. It was 51.2. January was better than December just didn't grow as fast as December over November. And here again this month, we're up uh, better than, than January. Trying to you know keep everything in perspective here, uh, 54 and a half in new orders is a good healthy number. Uh, the, the production number this time is, I think, not related to, uh, to any drops in new orders and, and certainly uh, we can see the weather impact. Well, I, I think you make an interesting point there, Brad, because it is uh, a buildup of data for each month. And sometimes when I when I originally began to look at it, I almost looked at it like a like a line chart, and it was going up and down and up and down, rather than realizing that this is a, a statistical buildup from uh, the beginning of the month to the end of the month, or mid month to mid month. So that's important. Uh, so continuing with the five metrics that uh, that go into the PMI, employment is something that certainly everybody uh, you know looks at from a number of different perspectives. Uh, this month we're at 52.3, exactly where we were last month uh, in terms of a growth rate, the same growth rate this month as in January. So it's kind of steady as she goes represents, you know, some hiring, filling positions as, as best we can. Uh, and yet it won't translate into large numbers, which I think come out tomorrow from uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But nevertheless, uh, it is growth in employment. Okay. Um, any, any sense of what that number might be, Brad? I really don't. I mean, the, the numbers from the economists are kind of all over the board and, and changing by the hour. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, and what, what I, what I read is, um, you know, people's expectations are, you know, are lower than previously expected with, uh, with weather also playing a role in, in that. We, we do have a comment from the panel, which I think is interesting. Um, it's, it's somewhat focused, but in the fabricated metal products industry, they're having trouble finding qualified CNC machinists even goes on to say desperately trying to hire CNC programmers. So there's a, a shortage of qualified people. And, uh, you know, we've heard that as well in the textile industry where there seems to be a resurgence in that area, but the skill set is no longer available and it's going to take some, some training and some development. This is consistent with what we've heard from uh, Thomas Nett when they were on our show, that there just seems to be a void of skill sets for manufacturers in America, and they're really struggling with it. I just received an email, Brad, from uh, Phoenix uh, on this very specific topic about CNC machinists and how, they're get, how they are having difficulty. Uh, and uh, Raymond from Phoenix ended it off by saying, any suggestions. So I leave, I pass that off to you. This is a, a highly skilled 
you know, technical position and capability that requires, you know, training and, um, and mentorship and, and things like that. So I don't think they, they come along overnight, but, um, you know, companies are going to have to spend money to support these training efforts to get the skill sets that they need. And I, I certainly think that would be led by the automobile industry uh, as well as others that uh, that require that skill set. Before we go uh, into uh, this report a little deeper, Brad, and we certainly appreciate your insights. Always glad to have you on the show. This is so helpful for manufacturing. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.COM. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.COM. And while we're at it, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor for this show, All Metals and Forge Group, your best source for open-die forgings and seamless roll rings in alloy, carbon, stainless, and tool steels, nickel, aluminum, titanium, copper. We could go on and on. Just go to steelforge.com, and you can learn more about all the amazing things they can do for you. That's steelforge.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. And let's remind everybody tuning in for the first time that the Institute for Supply Management, or ISM, is a not-for-profit educational association that serves more than 40,000 supply management professionals with over 150 affiliates in more than 90 countries. ISM's mission is to enhance the value and performance of procurement and supply chain management practitioners and their organizations. They do this through education, research, standards of excellence, and information dissemination, including the report we're talking about today. So if you want to learn more, simply go to ism.ws. That's ism.ws. All right, let's get back into it here. I had a question that got tweeted to us here. Is any of this uh, regional? Are you talking about a lack of programmers and lack of CNC operators? Is that nationwide, or is that is one region, uh, like you mentioned, Detroit in the auto industry? Is that uh, is that an area that's yeah. harder? No, I'm not. I'm not able to look at at region specifically, and I just picked this up in the comments from our panel. This one comes from the fabricated metal products uh, industry which is certainly aligned with uh, auto manufacturing, but uh, certainly other manufacturing as well, aircraft, uh, you know, military equipment, and, and so on. So in a so world I, where everybody's talking say, about they can't get good paying jobs, there is one out there. It, yes. I, I've, I've known uh, some you know, skilled machinists, and they, they make a good salary, and certainly they're, they're a critical skill and, and uh 
to me, they're artists. <laughs> well, Brad, these, uh, the volatility in this particular monthly report is fascinating. Why don't you uh, take us through uh, the next section? Yeah. Uh, is that the inventory? Yeah, uh, the in inventories is uh, also an interesting one. At, at 52.5, it's growing. Uh, it's up 8.5 percentage points over January, which was at 44. That was uh, contracting, of course. And uh, I see a, a weather impact here as well, where you know production was was lower than planned, I believe. So inventories naturally sort of pile up. But also, as I look down the backlog, the backlog was growing, uh, uh, and so that impacts uh, is impacted by lower production as well. So it's all sort of intertwined here. And I see that the weather impact on, on growing inventories with a certain distinct possibility that there's a mix issue where production was not able to get the right mix of inventories in to build, you know, the various things that they, they manufacture. And so inventories of, of sort of other things, uh, build up for, for the lack of just the right mix. So it's it's up, but 52.5, you know, is still certainly a healthy level. And, you know, in general, we like it above 50, of course, uh, which is exactly where it is. So I've covered the five different metrics that go into the PMI, new orders, production, employment, supplier deliveries, and inventories. They're all above 50, except for production at 48.2 leading to that PMI of 53.2. That's great, Brad. So for our listeners, if, if you're feeling like uh, you're the only manufacturer out there who uh, got stuck in the woods during uh, the snowstorms and you didn't get stuff in and you you didn't to get stuff out, uh, you weren't alone. Anything on that uh, from you, Lou? Yes, Um Actually, I had a question specifically, a rather self-serving one, being that we are a raw material supplier, forging supplier to uh, the metal and metalworking industries. But we also received a, um email from uh, Joan from Minneapolis. Um, in your report, uh, and I'm kind of paraphrasing her email, in your report you're referring to miscellaneous manufacturing as one of the three uh, industries that went uh, that contracted uh, last month. The term miscellaneous manufacturing encompasses many different things, and uh, I know from, for example, Dun and Bradstreet, they have a section called miscellaneous manufacturing, and that's a uh, a particular uh, SIC code that spells out uh, the miscellaneous manufacturing. I guess my question, and it may be more difficult for you to answer than I had hoped, but the is your definition of miscellaneous manufacturing and the Dun and Bradstreet miscellaneous manufacturing virtually the same, being that um, we have seen slowness in the industry because we deal a lot with the quote unquote miscellaneous manufacturing. So I just wanted to get a sense from you if, if we're talking about the same industries or are there overlaps or can you lend some thought? Yeah, we, we use um, we use NASICS codes, NAICS codes uh, for all of our 18 different industries. 
Uh, miscellaneous manufacturing is uh, MASIX code 339. So um, I don't have the other resources in front of me, but that can be compared, and I suspect that we we use the same uh, standard uh, codes. I believe that the Dun & Bradstreet numbers 3599 uh, as miscellaneous industry, and I, and I have a, I know I'm familiar with the NACE uh, uh, numbers, and uh, I think that there is a certain amount of uh, overlapping there. Thanks for yeah. the input. Yeah, I, I, I would think so, and and I think you can also infer if you're in a particular category that you think might be covered by miscellaneous manufacturing, and you want to know how that aligns with uh, with our industries, you can see see specifically the, the nomenclature of our 18 different industries. And if you're not specifically in one of the other 17, then you're in miscellaneous manufacturing. That probably goes without saying, but I said it anyway. I, I appreciate that, and uh, I hope that uh, that answers Joan's question. Tim? So, Brad, I guess our next step is into uh, customer inventories. Yeah, customer inventories uh, represents uh, finished goods at the end of the production line and even into the customer's uh, in incoming inventories. So that's differentiated from what we call just inventories, that being raw materials and inputs to manufacturing. And this month, it's at 46.5, up 2.5 uh, percentage points from January, uh, considered uh, too low by our manufacturing panel, uh, but but slower. It's sort of creeping up towards that 50 mark, which uh, anything over 50 would be considered too high. But it has been uh, too low, in other words, under 50 for 27 consecutive months, which indicates that uh, customers are uh, purposefully running lean on finished goods inventories uh, as a as a practice in these last uh, certainly couple of years. Yeah, I think that's what uh, we even see occasionally as consumers on the store shelf. Things seem to uh, be occasionally spotty. And again, I think this is a strategy, um, you know, by companies to to do that. No, Let's go on to uh, prices. Uh, mm -hmm. This being prices of raw materials and inputs at at sixty this month relative to 60.5 last month, so it's down a half a point. Nevertheless, anything above 50 shows increasing prices of raw materials. This a little bit slower than last month and uh, has been growing for an increasing, I should say, for, for seven consecutive months. Uh, very, very normal for this time of year. Uh, the first uh, one, two, three, even four months of the year in my experience as a chief procurement officer is when suppliers and manufacturers get together to nail down uh, pricing contracts uh, for the year uh, ahead. Again, that happens generally in the first quarter. So uh, this is very normal, and I would say the levels are very nominal and uh, would represent really no concerns uh, one way or the other, which I believe is, is good news. And uh, if you look deeply, there's really a lot of good news uh, in this report. Okay, oh, great. Uh, next, next up is the, the backlog of orders that represents, quote-unquote, old orders, 
that uh, haven't been gotten to, to, you know, it's part of the planning process to to plan and schedule orders to be able to manufacture and deliver products in a timely fashion. And sometimes orders aren't needed right away. So a backlog of orders is definitely normal and nominal. In this case, it's 52. It's up four percentage points from last month, so it's now growing. The backlog is growing from contracting last month. And a growing backlog of orders, if you couple that with good, solid new orders uh, up 3.3, then there is a lot of uh, pull for future production numbers uh, because you've got old orders and new orders to deal with and certainly from comments, the promise of, of more to come. So I expect uh, in looking at these couple of things that the production numbers will bounce back uh, nicely if the weather thaws out uh, and cooperates. Yeah, it certainly looks uh, very positive when you when you talk about uh, new orders in the, in the backlog. That does look very, very strong. And you're right, if the, if the weather cooperates, we'll be in good shape. Sorry, Brad, go ahead. Right. And finally, on our uh, manufacturing at glance table, we report on exports, which is exports of finished goods uh, for the most part. Could be some sub-assemblies. And then imports uh, generally of raw materials uh, or inputs to manufacturing. Both are exactly the same at 53.5. Good, healthy numbers representing growth. Uh, in exports for 15 consecutive months and growth in imports for 13 consecutive months. Uh, to me, showing, you know, the strength that, and, you know, we referred to this in the opening comments, the strength of U.S. manufacturing. It's um, appreciated by the international marketplace in terms of our ability to, to export our products. You know, we like to import raw materials from from other places. So I think there's there's real, you know, continuing evidence that uh, manufacturing in the U.S. is in a leadership position relative to the rest of the world. You commented on China earlier. And, and uh, again, we see quite a bit of evidence of, uh, of strong U.S. manufacturing. I think uh, Lou also sees that in his business. It's uh, both the strength of U.S. manufacturing and, interestingly enough, the quality of what we produce that makes uh, the United States such an appealing market for uh, overseas buyers. Lou, would you say that that is uh, consistent with what you're seeing in your business? Uh, Yeah, we're uh, actually expanded our uh, markets into uh, South America and the South Americans, uh, if they can't buy it in South America, they, they want American. Uh, they have strong ties to uh, Asia and China, but um, again, they're willing to pay more for more consistent uh, uh, deliveries and more consistent uh, quality of products. So we've seen that now for the last uh, several years. Tim? And, and, Brad, I noticed in the report, and then I, I may be way ahead of you here, I see buying policy. Have we talked about buying right. policy in the past? Well, we, we may have touched on it, uh, but it's, 
it's not something that generally gets a lot of attention, and uh, I, I don't know why, because it's really interesting to me. Uh, we break that down into three different uh, areas. The first one is capital expenditures. Uh, the next is production materials, and then MRO supplies. And uh, you know, having having said that, it doesn't get much attention. I know, you know, a, a number of people that really dig into this, and from an analysis standpoint, I know the Fed does, for example. And again, there's a lot of good information. Start with capital expenditures. This obviously relates to, in, in one of our categories, machinery but certainly uh, building new plant capacity and, and bricks and mortars and, and, and everything to do with uh, increasing our footprint and our production capabilities. The average number of days uh, to actually, you know, get your, your capital expenditures has gone up uh, and to, to receive your orders has gone up by by eight days this month to 137 days, which is really an unusually uh, high number. And so the, the companies that make, you know, the items for capital expenditure are really, you know, under a lot of pressure and, and strapped for capacity and production, which is, is really good news. And uh, the fact that it's gone up so much is, I think, quite interesting. Oh, it's, okay. it's the bottom line, said set another way, it shows that the demand for capital expenditures is going up. And okay. corresponding suppliers are being challenged uh, with that. So, again, it's, uh, it's, it's all pointing in the right direction. Brad, how much do you feel of the increase in capital expenditure has to do with the advent of uh, newer, more improved uh, technology? in manufacturing equipment? Uh, actually, you know, quite a bit. I can't really quantify that, but as I reflect back on our semi-annual report in, in December, which we talked about on this show, uh, there certainly is a, an appetite for that and a strategy to continue to improve technologies and to, to you know, to optimize the use of technologies in, in, in many, if not most, of our industries. And I want to get so back I to that. I, 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 I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead Brad. I wanted to get back to uh, that uh, that annual report, which I think you're going to update in uh, April. But when we come back from commercial break, we'll uh, find out when that update's going to be. And uh, I just want to touch right. on also the production materials and the MRO supplies under buying policy. So uh, mm-hmm. off to a commercial, and we'll be back in just a moment. The Institute for Supply Management, or ISM, as we're referring to it today, is a not-for-profit educational association that serves more than 40,000 supply management professionals with more than 150 affiliates in more than 90 countries. ISM's mission, as we mentioned before, is to enlarge and enhance the value and performance of procurement and supply chain management practitioners and their organizations worldwide. They do this through education, research, standards of excellence, and information dissemination, including the renowned ISM report on business and the ISM manufacturing report that we're discussing here today. 
ISM, in conjunction with the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University, established CAPS Research, C-A-P-S Research, to provide industry-oriented information. ISM Services offers also global procurement consulting through ADR North America and ADR China. For all the information on all their services, the best place is their website, ism.ws. That's ism.ws. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com. Enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. MarketingGrader.com. And again, let's uh, not overlook our sponsor, without whose efforts this program could not be produced. Our sponsor is, of course, All Metals and Forge Group and ISO 9001 AS9100 registered company. They provide manufacturing and industrial companies with quick price and delivery quotes and clean quality forgings for any of the parts that you might need. Anything from aircraft engines and landing gears to gear blanks and downhole shafts, hubs or subs. To learn more, simply visit steelforge.com or send us your request for quote for any open die forgings or seamless rolled rings anywhere from 20 pounds to over 80,000 pounds. They can do it all, steelforge.com. And now back to our show. Fred, as we kind of wrap up today's show, I'd like you to talk about production materials and MRO supplies under buying policy and also give our listeners an idea of when that update is going to come out to your 2014 annual report. Very good. On, on production materials under buying policies, the average days to receive is 58 days. That's down uh, a couple of days from last month and uh, pretty pretty nominal. And so I think it's sort of plan as usual uh, for the most part. Um, in our list of, um, of materials in, in short supply, we, we don't have any this month, so that's consistent with that. And in MRO supplies, average is 27 days relative to last month, 26 days. So fairly, fairly nominal there as well. And, uh, should have no trouble getting your MRO supplies in, in the normal, normal fashion and the normal lead times. Now, as far as the, the next update on our economic forecast, that will be, I think, specifically on May which I believe is a Tuesday, which is when the ISM has its uh, international conference of several thousand people this year in Vegas. And my colleague Tony Nieves and I will both report uh, on the uh, update to what we put out in December uh, that Tuesday morning. Okay, and... uh... Lou, as we uh, kind of roll to a wrap-up here, uh, any other questions for Brad? I have two, uh, two comments. Uh, actually, in the beginning of the show, I had mentioned that there are many organizations such as ISM and NAM and so on that uh, comes out with uh, statistics and facts and information. 
And apparently one of our listeners picked up on that, and uh, uh, Phil from Chicago has asked, uh, what's the basic differences between ISM, Institute of Supply Management, and the MAPI, which is the Manufacturing Alliance for Productivity and Innovation? They sure know how to come up with long names, you fellows. Uh, right. Perhaps you can give us some insight into that, uh, Brad. Well, I, I can speak to ours in, in terms of its longevity and its breadth and depth. It's been uh, ongoing literally since 1931 and has uh, taken uh, this specific shape in, in the 90s when, in, when we developed uh, the PMI specifically. Uh, I may be slightly wrong about that date, but in any case, uh, a lot of longevity, and we cover the entire United States extremely thoroughly with our panel of 350 or so panelists in these 18 different industries. So it's the one, in my awareness, that is widely looked at by the Fed, by economists, by industry, and, and others. Uh, as something that has a lot of uh, legs, a lot of uh, consistency, which is a word we've used on this program in other contexts, but certainly it applies to the ISM PMI. The other indexes I, I'm honestly not all that familiar with. I'm sure they have, uh, you know, tremendous value and uh, hopefully – uh, look at things from a little different light, and we always recommend to people look at various economic indicators, uh, including RPMI, including, you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics and other things to sort of put it all together for yourself because I don't think anybody has, you know, all the right answers, and, and certainly we don't, and it's not our intention to be able to answer uh, every question. Our, our intent is to show month-over-month month, uh, changes in these different uh, metrics, uh, to look at trends uh, accordingly, and to be able to present uh, other related information of, uh, of interest and use in a very timely fashion. We are uh, clearly regarded by, by most as the first economic indicator that comes out each month that provides a, a leading indicator of things to come. Well, thanks, Brad. And uh, I don't know if that uh, fully answered Phil's uh, question. I guess Macy's doesn't tell Gimbel's and Gimbel's doesn't tell Macy's. Uh, but thanks for the response uh, just the same. Uh, before the show closes, I, I'd like just to make a, a uh, comment uh, about if you wish to listen to this show, that uh, it will be uploaded onto our website, mfgtalkradio.com. Let's see if I can freak out our production department. Uh, how about 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today, uh, Paul? Um, for the past shows and uh, future shows, again, go to MFG Talk Radio. Um, and I think you'll find some of these uh, conversations that we've had in the past uh, extremely interesting. Uh, also, if you feel as though that you have a recommendation uh, for a possible future guest or if you yourself are a potential uh, guest uh, or have comments or suggestions to, uh, to us, uh, send an email to live at 
mfgtalkradio.com. Tim? Thanks, Lou. I, I want to again thank Brad for being our guest on the show. These reports are always extremely informative for our listeners in the manufacturing industry. Uh, and, and Brad's got uh, so much knowledge about them, along with his purchasing manager's uh, knowledge. It's been very, very helpful. Brad, again, thank you for being our guest. And thanks. Always uh, my pleasure, and thank you. And, Lou, thank you uh, as a sponsor of the show for All Metals and Forge Group. If uh, any of you are interested in uh, All Metals and Forge Group, you can find their website at steelforge.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-F-O-R-G, steelforge.com. Or any of the previous shows, as Lou mentioned, are at mfgtalkradio.com. And that pretty much wraps us up for today's show. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises to manufacture right here in America. With your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss, brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.